Welcome to the Loco Parentis podcast, a fostering and adoption podcast featuring former cared for children and adoptees. Hosted by me, Twana Main, a former cared for child and adoptee. And this week we have Andy Elvin, CEO of TACT, the UK's largest fostering and adoption charity. Hi Andy. Hello. Uh, what is TACT? Uh, the Adolescent Children's Trust is the UK's largest dedicated fostering and adoption charity. So we look after about 750 children across the UK, all the way from Aberdeen down to Bournemouth. And uh, we also uh, provide adoption. We have about uh, 25 or 30 adoptive families a year that we create. And we now run the services wholesale in Peterborough City Council. So we are the Fostering Adoption Special Guardianship Service. So uh, we have uh, a lot of placements there, about 380 children in care up there. So if you wanted to adopt children, some, so I was adopted, my mum fostered us mm-hmm, yeah. from the local council and then kind of, I say from the local, it is from the local, it is, it is, it is, it is from the, the local, local council, weird, yeah, it's, it's bizarre isn't it, thing, the local yeah. council were legally your parents yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah, which is, I wasn't really happy about strange, that, that was very it? strange, and I was, yeah. so I was happy to be adopted actually, I kind of yeah. wanted to be because I didn't want to belong to Lewisham, which is yeah. essentially... Yeah, was my parent. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's, it's a strange one because there's this term corporate parenting. Yeah. And it's nonsense. Yeah. Because corporations don't parent children. People yeah. parent children. So, you know, your foster carers are your parents, yeah. really. They're the ones looking after yeah. you. They're the ones bringing you yeah. up. And then you say your foster carer adopted, adopted you. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. And that still happens now. We have a lot of that. But nowadays, we have a special guardianship order. Yeah, I've not heard. What, what is that? I mean, essentially, a special guardianship order is almost like adoption. Yeah. It's almost the same legally, except it doesn't completely extinguish the parental rights of the birth parent. The golden share of parental rights is with the special guardian. And it was introduced, really, to take the heat out of intra-family arrangements. So if the grandparents ended up looking after their grandchildren, if they adopted the children over their daughter, essentially, that's quite hard yeah. and everything and SGOs was meant to take a bit of the heat out of that but it's also used a lot now by foster carers who have foster children who they say actually it's for life so if you are is it a special guardian yeah, yeah so but can, can the birth parents step in at any no. point and go all oh, right no, okay. no, the, the, you have if you like you have 75 percent of parental responsibilities what you say goes yeah. it's just if you're adopted then you're birth parent is kind of expunged from the record of having been your parent you know legally yeah. that's the case yeah. and that's a big thing in emotionally legally and technically the person who has the majority of parental responsibility calls the shots anyway so practically it's not a big thing but emotionally it's huge so is that for kids who are older yes yeah, it does so tend they... to be so children in foster care who are you know 8 to 13 14 are often those who really? have special guardianship. So I was quite lucky to get adopted then, because yeah, I yeah. I got adopted just before I was fifteen. Right. My well, older the... brothers were, were sixteen and a half, and I was all I was concerned about. I only worked out recently that my brothers were older than me. Like yeah. obviously, but they were yeah. six. But I I had um, I was obsessed. Like when you when when we kind of made the decision to mm. become like a, a adoptive family, I was like yeah. cool. I didn't want to leave care at sixteen. I was mm. really, I didn't want to be in that position where. I didn't have a family, Absolutely. any kind of family. So yeah. I was like, we kind of, this is happening. Well, not like it, we, mm. me and my brothers decided that, yeah, this is going to happen. And I thought, I'm going to have to go with what they decide because they're my brothers. And I was yeah. thinking, if they say no, I'm going to be devastated. Absolutely. That's, it's it a great yeah. thing. Things that, things that have moved on a bit in the, we now have something called staying put foster care. Yeah. So children can stay till they're 21. Because the average age of the general population yeah. of people leaving home now is, I don't know, 30 or something, you know, it's, it's heading upwards the whole time. And yet we're expecting children who've, who've had a more difficult start in life to suddenly on 18 stand yeah. on their own feet and, you know, it's not real. Their, yeah, I, I it's remember, not going to happen. Yeah, I remember sort of friends of the family who were in care and they could mm. leave care at 16 and they got their own flats and stuff and it all is... just kind of, and some I remember somebody got some money because um he got some compensation for something something yeah. that's happened to him mm. and he spent it all in a year of course he did he spent it all in a year and he spent he spent all his money on weed yeah. and then everyone went round to his flat to smoke his weed Precisely. and he was running out of money and we and I think it was about six months into this yeah. year of living crazy yeah, yeah. that we said you need to get a job he's like hey and then he was in that thing of just being really stoned that he couldn't kind of yeah no absolutely yeah he was just like well what would the 18 year old version of any of us yeah do, given our own flat and yeah. given a load of money yeah, yeah when i was at college student loans were just coming in for the first time and there was um whatever it was it was only about 400 quid in those days so we all got a loan and we went to amsterdam for the weekend because <laughs> we were 19 and we were idiots yeah no one should have given us that amount of money you know 
great. It was a good time. And, <laughs> you know, it's paying off the debt for yeah. some years to come. So, if foster, so do people who foster or adopt do it through the council or do they do it through you? Uh, they can do it through both. So, okay. you either have to do it through a local authority or yeah. a, what's called an independent fostering agency, and we're a charitable version of that. There's lots of different independent fostering agencies and some of the controversy around it is there's some charities like ourselves and Action for Children Bernardo's but there are a lot of venture capital firms mm. who are in fostering agencies who run them because you can make quite a good return on it if you run it a certain way. Because, How do you make a return on fostering? Well essentially local authorities pay fees for foster care so per, per week there's a cost per placement because it's you know, there's food, there's heat, there's water, there's mortgage, there's rent, there's all those things that foster carers. So in the case of us, the majority of the money just passes straight through to the um, the foster carers and the children. And what remains pays for the social worker, for the foster carer, for the training, for the support, for the out-of-hours service. They've always got someone. So the support services, you like, and that's the cost. But we're there's just been a big stock take in England and yeah. we showed that we were the cheapest pretty much across the board. If you add, say, £100 or £200 a week onto that, which you can do if you're a commercial fostering agency, that can go in your pocket. So that's what they do. That's and crazy. so people, there's, there's organisations called things like Sterling Square Capital Partners and Graphite Capital. And there's one called uh, NFA, who's holding company after about six or seven layers of shell companies and different arrangements. They're holding companies in Luxembourg. You know, it's not even paying UK tax. Yeah. And they're making a fortune because there is a shortage of foster carers for particular children. So if um, large sibling groups, teenagers generally, and so local authorities struggle to find placements. And so if it's Thursday afternoon and you're phoning, you're looking, the child needs a home that night. And the only person who's got the foster placement is a commercial agency, maybe charge you a thousand pounds a week. Whereas if you could find a foster care for the local authority, it'd be maybe £600 a week, yeah. and maybe someone like us about 700 a week. And you have to go with it. You it's have crazy. To, it is crazy. And it's, in Scotland, it's, it's banned, yeah. except it's not really policed very well. Right. So, you know, they set up little non-profit subsidiaries. You know, I can't believe it's not a commercial fostering agency. It's that kind of thing. It's crazy that and people they, are making money It is, I mean, is that. It, and it shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. It's, it's illegal for profit-making companies to run child protection services, yeah. but not for them to run child care services. So it's, it's kind of allowed by the government. And they're, they're completely unnecessary yeah. because if they weren't there, foster carers who foster for them, because most of the foster carers don't know, you know, because yeah. it doesn't advertise on the website that yeah. that's what they're doing. They just see their social worker and see the agency. Um, foster carers who foster for them would simply transfer to people like us or to local authorities. You, know, you wouldn't lose foster carers, no. but the government allows it to continue. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a. It's, well, it's, you know, yeah, but that's, that's them just kind of outsourcing everything. Yeah, it is, yeah. So, and it's also profiting from childhoods. Yeah, bad childhoods. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's, it's quite grim, really. It, it, it makes me really angry when I stop to think about it. But the UK it, in 2018. Yeah, and this oh. has been going on for since the 1990s. Oh, wow. This isn't a new thing. Right. You know, because people, because the the whole point is that your the person paying you your your debtor is the state. Yes. So it's like gold plated. It's not yeah. like investing in a housing scheme that might go south. Local authorities are going to pay you no matter what. I mean, Northamptonshire went bust recently. They've got this called Section One One Nine notice. They're effectively bankrupt, but they still can pay their children and their adult social care bills because they've got to. So you you know, as an investor, I'm guaranteed that yeah. money back. It's never going away. So that's what they're doing. As long as they're allowed to do it. They'll do it. So, oh, I can't ask any more on that. I know, no, it's just annoying. And one has to put it to one side yeah. and, you know, we, we keep, we keep change, saying it in public. So, we keep saying yeah. it to the government and one day, hopefully, they'll listen and they'll stop doing it. Yeah, because they're going to make money. Yeah, yeah. So, so I still wonder they'll be stopped doing it. That would be the way, the way yeah. to do it, just ban them. So how many kids are in care then? In the um, In the UK, I think about 93,000 across the whole of the UK of which 75,000 are in foster care. So foster care is essentially when one talks about the care system. Yeah. Foster care is what the care system is, largely. The majority of children are there. There's about four to 5,000 adoptions a year. There's about 3,000 special guardianship orders a year, and that's rising. That's rising quite steeply at the moment. And then the rest are in a variety of placed at home or placed on under other arrangements with relatives or in residential childcare. Why do kids go into care? 
for any number of reasons, but the most common is just a combination of inadequate and chaotic and confused parenting yeah. and neglect. It's people who aren't bad in any sense of the word. They're not ill-intentioned. They're not mean. They're not setting out to abuse or to harm children. They just can't cope. Mm. They're in a set of circumstances that are, are hard. Quite often those circumstances are related to the way they were brought up or their experience of adult life. Quite often there is substance misuse involved and substance misuse generally means alcohol. You know, all the fuss made about illegal drugs. Alcohol is the, the main reason why you want these things like domestic violence or neglect or abuse coming into play. So alcohol abuse is, is part of it. Sometimes parental mental illness can play a part. They want us to be very careful about that because mental illness does not in any way cause people to be bad parents. Yeah. And many parents who, uh, who suffer from poor mental health are excellent parents. Mm. So, you know, that's not, but they can, if it's so severe, they physically can't look after the child in the way they couldn't if they were severely physically ill, look after the child. But they tend to be the main reasons why children come into care. There are some very horrendous criminal abuse situations, but thankfully they aren't as common as the, the chaos and neglect that generally one sees. Yeah, I find, I find it, not, I don't know, funny's not the word, but I, mm. I've, I've experienced that. Yeah. And then so sometimes every now and again, if a story comes up in the papers about something that's bad that's gone wrong yeah. with children, and they have kind of have been involved with social services, mm. I find that people cannot comprehend mm. what goes on, and that's why children end up in care. And even though stuff has gone wrong and maybe that child has died, but they don't understand the cat. They don't understand. They really don't understand. It's it's. There's always this debate about you know why do social workers get about such a bad press and so on. Part of the reason is it is beyond, as you say, the understanding or the comprehension yeah. of the majority of the population. Yeah. Which is a good of the thing. Country. It is a good yeah. thing to understand that how some people live, how some children are brought up. Yeah. You know, the schools, everyone thinks they know about schools, they all went to one. But very few people have spent time in houses where chronic neglect is taking place. So sadly the children yeah. and the parents yeah. and then health, health visitors and social workers are the other people who generally see those situations. And you know, I can think of the top of my head of countless homes you've gone I've gone into. I say that which you think, how would you live here? How would you be this is just it's so terrible. It, it isn't it's not terrible out of malicious intent. It's terrible because someone doesn't have the emotional wherewithal yeah. to, to be together and to be able yeah. to run a household and to bring up children. It's a tough gig. Yeah. You know, parenting is a tough gig. So there's no get so you have to be, you know, the most capable people struggle. Yeah. And they need, you know, their relatives, their friends to rally around them. You know, everyone needs people to support. Quite often isolation is another big one in terms of people who are isolated from their family. They don't really have a network of friends around, you know, they're not the they're not the ones who are at the stay at play at the local centre, and so they've got a lot of mums and then go and have coffee in Cafe Nero with. But you see that all the time. You go into any yeah. coffee shop in, you know, suburbs of London, it's full of generally mothers and babies. But that, that's, you know, it's a support network. That's support. That's what's stopping those people going mad, essentially. But it's great. But the parents that we end up talking to and working with, they don't have that. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of the problem. They don't have that kind of extended support around them. And you could, you know, you get sociological about it and the atomization of family life and the fact that people are distant from their relatives. And in the old days, you know, four generations would live in the same street and everyone would rally around. Well, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. A lot of people are very isolated these days. And when you're isolated and it's four walls and you're in a baby, that can be tough. Yeah. Really and then you have tough. more children as well. Yeah. And you've you struggled with the, the, the one or two that you've had and then another one and you're like, Ugh. Well, yeah. it's, it's uh, that's we see a lot of repeat removals. There's an organisation called Pause yeah. now, which is yeah. uh, for years that's been needed. I remember the frustration when I was a frontline social worker. You'd be in care proceedings and one baby would be removed, and you knew by the end of care proceedings, mum was going to be pregnant. Yeah, and you'd say to yourself, "Say, well, can't we do something? Can't we put something in place for mum? Because otherwise, I oh, know she hasn't got a child anymore, so she's not a client." That was the answer, and it was like. Uh, really? She will. I, now, yeah, I saw the programme on, there was a programme I think yeah, last yeah. year about pause and yeah, they, they were brilliant. talking about, yeah, because when I first watched that, when I saw mm. it and I was like, I'm going to watch this and I was mm. like, I'm not, I don't care, I'm not, I'm not interested in these women. By the end yeah. of it, I thought, this, they, that work that they do is amazing. It is, isn't it? Because the, the women, it's not, 
they haven't maliciously gone mm. out to not being able to parent their children. It's just that they can't look after themselves. Yeah. And then if you can't look after the children that you've got and they rem they remove the children and yeah. it's kind of like, well, you've lost a child and you're grieving, so to replace that loss, you'll have another one. Yeah, of course you will, yeah. And then the social workers will take the... the they will remove it because you couldn't look... You've yeah. Your circumstances haven't changed. And it's the genius of pause and the fact they use now, you know, uh, medical technologies used on, you can have long-acting um, contraception because that is an empowering thing because for the woman, it's like, right, I have now a space yeah. where I can work with my fourth worker and I can, you know, get myself together. I can sort the housing stuff. I can get some counselling. I can sort the emotional stuff. If there's substance misuse things, I can look to address that. Go on into employment. And then they've got, you know, the success stories work in a number of ways. They've got mums who are having children and going and keeping them. Yeah. And women who are thinking, actually, parenting's not for me. Which, again, is a positive outcome. Yeah. It's a positive outcome to a positive decision. I want to live my life this way. I want to be together. Me having a child isn't going to allow me to do that. So I'm not going to. Good. And you know, children win either way. Yeah, as long yeah. As, that goes. as long but as they're in a, a safe, stable. Yeah. yeah. But pause. I mean, that kind of thing is much needed because it's losing your children must be. It's almost unimaginable. Mm. You know, now we don't have the death penalty in this country. I think that's pretty much the most serious thing yeah. to do to people. I always kind of think about, even though I've not seen her since I was six, and mm. that's a long time. That's a mm. mighty long. But she doesn't have any of her children, and I kind of think she came to this country as a teenager. Mm. It didn't go well, and then she had children, mm. and it didn't go well. Mm. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then, they've all been removed. She doesn't have anything to do with me and my. Well, she has. She's in contact with my youngest brother, who mm. I didn't grow up with him. He grew up in another family. Yeah, yeah. And I know him, but mm. I also kind of think she's in. She's got four children, who are alive. Mm. Um, she had more children, but she's got four alive. Mm. She's only in contact with one, and I mm. think she's in contact with the worst one, to be honest. <laughs> He's, of all of us lot, I think I, I think you've made a relationship with possibly the worst child that you mm. had. I just think he's an idiot. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, I just kind of think there's talk of her um, possibly going back to the Caribbean when she retires, which is in a, the next year or so. And I'm kind of thinking, yeah. your time in this country, I, d I think, hasn't, yeah. been, hasn't been great, to be honest. I think... No. And I think that's a kind of, I don't know, I kind of think as a society, especially for women, if you lose your children, mm. that's, that's it's, it's major. So, I mean, and the worst thing about it is the fact there was never at that time any support for her. Mm. Because after the first time, when we were first involved, had there been something like pause, maybe things could have been different. Yeah. Because that's the thing, it, it's as if we magically expect it to get better. Yeah. You know, that by losing your children, it will somehow correct the way you live yeah. your life. That will make it worse. Because what you've added is this appalling emotional cataclysm yeah. to what already was not great. Yeah. What do you expect to happen? Because there was point? a time when, because my older brothers, they went into care, and then I, I came along like a year and a half mm. after, and I, I went into care when I was two. Mm. And so I do remember going backwards and forwards. I don't know how many times, but there were times when, and there was one time that I went back to her on my own. Yeah. And I don't know how long I was with her for, and it was mm. fine, like... She didn't. She never left me on my own. Mm. But it, well, no, she left me. <laughs> she yeah. didn't leave me in the flat on my own. But she used to leave me in the laundrette on her own. Oh, so, okay, yeah. And then she'd go off stealing, which yeah. I didn't realise what she was doing until mm. she'd leave with, she'd leave with nothing, and then come back with bits of food. I'm like, I don't know what's gone on here, but I also do know what's gone on here. I'm like, mm. something's gone wrong. Here. Something yeah, yeah. you're doing stuff, cool. And yeah. I'm just sitting in the laundrette for a few yeah. hours, just like some young kid, like some yeah. three year old, just sitting on my own in the laundrette. And then she'd and then. She'd come and get me and we'd go home. I remember her taking me to a party. Mm. And I was, I don't know, I was young. Yeah. And I was thinking, why am I at this? I knew that I wasn't in my house. And I knew, and she, nothing happened to me. She just held on. I don't know how long we were there for. Yeah. But I remember yeah. people coming up to me and going, oh, aren't you? And I was thinking, I don't know you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to acknowledge you. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I shouldn't be here. There's just yeah, adults absolutely. here. Yeah. And I think it, when we left, it was dark. Yeah. We were on the bus and there were no, do you know what I mean? It's all this kind of stuff. And you're like, yeah. what are you doing? And so we then we all went back and then she'd had my younger brothers came along mm. so there was lots of us and then it was just all and that was yeah. when it was that time when when there was five of us yeah. it sped up like I remember like a lot of stuff was going on then like we were mm. in and out and lots of people were around like please like various different people yeah, and yeah. I was just kind of like this will not last for long we haven't no. got and I do remember I think the last time we were in the flat together there was a fight, not mm. with us, but there was a yeah. fight, and the police were called, and she got arrested, yeah. and the police were really surprised that there was all these children in the flat. Like I remember looking at the one of the policemen saw me and my older brothers, and they yeah. thought, "Oh my God, there's three young kids here." Yeah, we'd hid my younger brothers under under um chest of drawers. Yeah, and yeah. we pulled them out. I remember the policeman just like looking at me, thinking, 
How many children are here? What is going? What is yeah. this? This yeah. is. Wow. There's babies in. There's small children and there's yeah. babies here. This is. Yeah. This is not what no. should be going on. Absolutely. But that's. I mean, that somehow I've had cases where children come to care because the police have discovered them over the weekend and no one knew about them before and they've gone in because there's been some intelligence about domestic violence or drugs and you know they find two or three kids in a crack and it's like okay so but no one knew about them before and sometimes cases just go on for too long where mm. particularly when we neglect cases this has got a bit better but with neglect cases there was sometimes a oh we can make it better kind of thing thinking that well they're not being physically harmed they're not mm. being sexually abused mm maybe we can make this better and actually sometimes you just can't yeah and you need to make that decision to actually move on because the longer you leave it you cut down the options for the children who were who were leaving the house yeah because as one gets older it is uh, you're less likely to be adopted yeah unless you're adopted by foster care of yeah course, but yeah you know, that's that's the that's the caveat to that but um most children who are adopted in this country are adopted under the age of four years old okay no one. So, f- if you're older than four, you are less likely to get adopted. It's not that you won't, be, yeah. but it, it's just less likely to happen because adopters tend to want to adopt toddlers, yeah, and babies because it's easier. Is it easier? It, it, it depends. I mean, you talk to adopters, and a lot of them will say there's there's nothing easy. It depends on the background. I mean, an awful lot of damage can be done in the first six months. Yeah, you know, so it depends what environment the child was in. And then there's fetal alcohol spectrum disorders and the fact that, you know, if um, clinical drugs were taken during pregnancy, that may cause um, emotional, psychological disturbance later in life. And so some of these things may emerge as you go yeah. on, so you may have a child. It's a ticking think, time bomb, really. can be. Yeah. It can be, which is why, you know, we should never say in the care system, we should never say, right, we found this fantastic adoptive family or grandparents or foster carers. Right, on you go. You can never say that because there isn't this sunset to sail off into at some point during childhood and probably at various points it's going to be a struggle yeah you know there's going to be a few bumps in the road and the job of agents like ours is to be there when those bumps in the road happen so you do post adoption support yeah post adoption right. support foster carers get support all the way yeah. through adopters get it on the basically a hands-up basis you know they, they say actually we're struggling and part of the relationship one needs to have with the relatives or the adopters or foster carers is making sure that they will speak up. Yeah. Make sure because you you know they haven't failed. Mm. No one's judging them. You know this was going to be difficult from the start. You were finding it difficult. That's no surprise. We're all here. We'll work together. We'll get it done. And then you put whatever in place just to help them yeah. through that uh, that period. And because you know there's, there's various points when the child starts school, secondary transfer. You know the adolescence yeah. thing. It's going to be fireworks. Yeah. It just is. There's mm. fireworks in general population yeah. families at that time. So there's going to be here. And stuff will emerge as people begin to remember bits about their childhood or maybe get back in contact with birth parents or hear things. And now there's the joys of Facebook and all yeah. those kind of things. So, you know, you get partial stories and bits of information. And all that can be very confusing and disruptive. And, you know, and rightly, a lot of young people just feel angry. Mm. You know, why, why me? Why did this mm. happen to me? How dare you? How dare yeah. this have happened? And the people who who are on the brunt of that anger are the ones closest to them. You know, one of the hardest things as an adopter or a foster carer to understand is being screamed at or someone throwing things around the room. It's not you. It's not you. What they're angry about is something that happened. You're mm. closest. Yeah. So you get it. <laughs> yeah. So you, you have to, the ego thing has to go and you have to realise that you just have to help them mm. through and help them through an understanding of this and not accept this as a personal attack yeah. on your being because it's not. You know, but that's when you're the one being screamed at. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough to really think, actually, this isn't me. I'm, you know, they found this out and they're angry. Yeah. And of course they are. And they need to vent and I'm here. I find, as an adult, um, I thought I would, um, I'd be all right. Kind of, I'd, I'd get over certain things. Yeah. And then every now and again, every now and again, something just pops up and you're like, yeah. oh my, I cannot relate. Yeah, <laughs> and then I get really angry. I yeah, get yeah. really, I get really angry. I'm like, yeah. And it's kind of like, I kind of thought that when we were gone and she'd grow up and be kind of a responsible mm. adult, and yeah. then there's certain things that have come back, like in certain things that she's done, you're like, this no, woman precisely. is just... <laughs> yeah, at least we're not there to have been involved. But certain, like there's certain things, you're like, what have you, why are you still, What this has happened, for, why are you still doing silly yeah, yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. You're Absolutely. so old now. Yeah. What have you done? She's, you know, she's been in trouble with the police, she's been to yeah. prison, yeah. different things have happened. You're like... Yeah. But I mean, the... the, the 
people don't necessarily change. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. And I think it's been like that, a little like um, grief in that the further you get away from the, it doesn't hit you so often. Yeah. And it's not a current. But when it does, it still yeah. feels like it did the yeah. first time yeah. you felt angry about it. You can still very quickly go back to that place. And it's a roller, it's like you can get very angry, then you can be very upset, and then yeah. you can just get quite depressed about it. And you're just mm. like, then you feel sorry for yourself, and then you feel sorry for her, and you're like, and then you get angry at feeling sorry for her. You're like, I don't want to be, for, you know, exactly, I shouldn't yeah. have to feel sorry for this person, you know. Because yeah. she, I don't think she'd ever feel sorry, you know, and then you just sit there and just be in a pit of despair, and then you're just, yeah. It, it, it can be a spiral, mm. and that's the real problem with expecting people, you know, young people to leave at eighteen yeah. without anything. It's why it's important people stay till twenty-one, and ideally they can continue to have a relationship with their foster carers or whomever after that, yeah. because that's what normal family life is. The other nonsense about corporate parenting is that how many parents don't know what their children are doing at twenty-five mm. and thirty-five? Of course they do. Because councils don't. The only way that they would know you still existed is if you were using those ser- their yeah. services as an adult. Yeah. Otherwise, they won't. But a lot of foster carers stay in touch with you know lots of yeah. kids. I mean, they might have told you that yeah. yes, people come back yeah. and they're fighting, and that's how it should be. It's nice because it's an important part. If it's you know for a few months or often for a few years, it's an important part of your childhood. Yeah. You know, part of your story lives in that house yeah. with those people, and it's important that people are allowed to stay in touch with that. And that's encouraged, and foster carers are given the you know permission, if you like, and the um, and the tools to carry on doing that. Good, because it's it's vital. So you used to be a foster parent as well. Yeah, I, I worked in America for a couple of years. How so is it was, over there? Is it? It was. It would. It really depends state to state. Mm. So we were up in New England, and it was. It wasn't dissimilar to the setup here in some ways. We except they gave you the house there. It was like a all-in program. There were children who'd come out of secure units, so it was quite at the sort of extreme behavioural edge of things yeah. for people, children who've been through adoption breakdowns as well so they'd had two breakdowns in their life and been right. secure um, but we had the house and you got the car and the children and but there was 12 of you in the sort of in, okay. the, in the town in that bit of the town so we were each other's support which was great and you had a social worker supporting you and looked after teenage boys which was uh, great I had one who was uh, <laughs> by said to me he burned down his mum's apartment building he was chronic neglect case he was bored unsupervised play with matches and doing things all right okay saying like 12 people homeless but you know yeah <laughs> so but we lived in a wooden house with no sprinkler system which was, well this is interesting you need to keep an eye on you need to behave yeah he was a lovely kid and um you know it was but it is the hardest thing i've ever done because every other you know role or job you have at some point in the day you close your front door on it Fostering, you don't. Yeah. Fostering, it's twenty four seven. It's it's what you do. It isn't it isn't a job. It's it's a calling. It's a vocation. It's you know something you really got to want to do, heart and soul, because it's tough. But the other side is the rewards are staggering, because you know when you see children recover from, you know, being troubled and being depressed and being upset to blossoming to making friends to doing well in school, doing well socially. It's an enormous thing knowing that you've played a part in that. Nothing else like that. Nothing else at all. So the rewards are huge, but there's no disguising that some of the uh, the challenges along the way can be quite interesting. So when you get um, prospective kind of foster parents mm. and adopters, do you lay because are they like first time parents as well? So um, so it really depends. Our youngest foster carers, they're a little older now, were 22, and they what? hadn't had children. They're gonna, they're, so how old can you be when you fo- can you foster at 18? You can foster at 21. Okay, okay. I was a foster carer when I was 24, 25. It can work. It depends on the matching. You see, it works with some children. They had a 15-year-old place to them. And it worked really well because all the anger and upset she felt towards sort of parental age people, yeah. so people mid-late 30s, yeah. she didn't feel towards them yeah. because they were a bit more like older siblings. Mm. So it clicked and it worked and she sort of got alongside them and, you know, took took what they said, which was really, so that can work really, really well. And then our oldest, uh, you know, 76. So, you know, as long as you're fit and able, you can you can carry on fostering all the way through. Oh, wow. So age isn't... So it's really... kind of nice then, isn't it? I suppose yeah. it's kind of... You can kind of have... You can kind of have grandparents. You can yeah, have yeah. kind of... Yeah, you can have responsible... Yeah. You just need responsible adults, I You suppose. do, yeah. Oh, you know, okay. people with, you know, the, the patience and emotional empathy to be able to do it and who realise that, you know, this is a long-haul thing. I'm not going to see a fix this week or yeah. next week. I'm in this, you know, it's the month-on-month-on-month on month on month stuff. That's where we'll get to where we want to be. And to have that patience and you know emotional stamina that you really need to uh, to do the work. 
but there are many people out there who can do it, which is great. And it's a long process, you know, we put people through um, training yeah. and assessments. You know, by the end of your fostering assessment, the social worker assessing you will be able to win mastermind with you as their specialist subject. They will know everything. Right. You've talked about every relationship yeah. you've ever had. You've talked about the decisions you've made. You've talked about your own childhood. You've talked about what brought you here. And people think that experiences they've had can somehow count them out. You know, but I sign off on a weekly basis police checks that come back positive for people who are foster carers. Because what's important is the perspective one has on things that have happened to you in your life. And if you have sufficient perspective and you can really look back with some um, degree of clarity on why things happened and why you made that decision then and what you might do differently now, then you're going to be invaluable to young people who are facing the same kind of choices and the same kind of decisions. Because if you've seen a bit of that side of life, that can be very useful when you're parenting some children. And also it's useful in them sort of having respect for you and sort of think, okay, you can talk to me about this because you have been, yeah. you know, you, you have done that thing, you have maybe been in prison. So, yes, you know of what you speak. So you can go, you can be in prison, you can have... You can have gone to right. prison and be a foster care. I mean, it's obviously, you know, Depending crimes on... of extreme violence yeah. and sexual violence and anything against children, that counts yeah, you out. definitely. Everything else is a judgment call. So, you know, and there but for the grace of God go off the population of getting into trouble and getting, you know, shoplifting or drink driving or, you know, lots of people have been, you can't count people out because lots of parents out there in the general yeah. population have, have done, got offences yeah, behind yeah. them, haven't they? You know, I mean, the drug laws in this country are, after the 18 to 21, yeah. population gets criminalised on a regular basis for, you know doing nothing particularly socially harmful yeah so you know that is a that is a problem and so you you have to look past that and it's the perspective thing really that's that's what you're looking for that's good to know and it's people who can put themselves you know can mentalize what's it like to be that young person or what's it like to be in their shoes and can see that the behaviors they're seeing yeah are a natural reaction to the stuff that they've done you know very simple ones like sometimes you have children come to foster care who food hoard Mm. you know, will hide food around the bedroom. Well, of course they do, because where they came from, wasn't any food. Yeah. So if they get a hold of yeah. some, they kept it. Yeah. You know, it takes a month or so to think, actually, I can come downstairs, I can open the fridge, there's food in there, I can take it out and I can eat it, yeah. and no one's going to shout at me. My brother, one of my brothers, is, he doesn't hoard, but if he goes to stay somewhere, you've got to have enough milk and sugar and tea. That's it. And then also you need to have bread as well. Yeah. If you've got bread, um, all those things, mm. it's fine. And you, So if he comes to stay... Yeah. It's like, have you got enough milk? It's like, I've got a pint. You need to get me loads of, you know, you need yeah. to have loads of, and I know that comes from... That's the, that's the that's, comfort blanket, yeah, isn't yeah. it? It's a psychological comfort yeah. blanket. And it's, it's understandable, because growing up where you grew up, that that's an important thing. Yeah. Because you don't think about it until you don't have it. Yeah. And if you don't have it and you can do nothing about it, and that's the worst thing, you know, I know I need these things, but I have no power mm. to get the things I need, then you're always going to make sure that you've got them later in life yeah and there's you know there's nothing wrong with that but uh, it did you know these little ticks that people will take through their lives they you pick up in childhood yeah oh wow yeah i'm just sitting there thinking about myself now it's like yeah <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot going there's a lot go, there's a lot going on but yeah yeah oh, wow but you know but these are natural you know these are not people talk about the problematic behavior no it's not it's this is a natural reaction it's what a sensible person would do faced with a situation they were dealing with and therefore, it's going to take a while for that to, to play itself out. And sometimes it will be there. And as adults, you begin to be able to stop yourself doing it and think, I don't need to think about that yeah. because it's, it's fine. It's fine. But you, you have to physically stop yourself from thinking about it because your your brain, when your brain wiring was developing, you know, and brains now develop until 23, we're told. I think about, you know, I always think about my circle of friends and go back to the, and was it really 23? You know, some of them I think never 30 or 35, but there yeah. we go. So I think... Um, because of that, the stuff that was hardwired into your head when you were, you know, three, four, five years old, that lasts a lifetime. Yeah. Because so, that's how you think the world works. So, like, in terms of, like, young children, hmm. what, so what is, the, what is the most important time for, like, youngsters? Because I always kind of thought you were kind of developed in, like, your first seven years or so, like, the fundamental uh-huh. stuff that happens... I think it, it, it's, it depends. There's always a lot of new work on brain development. There's a lot of stuff going on in um, California looking at levels of um, uh, cortisol, which is the stress hormone, and what happens when people have a lot of that running around their brains when yeah. they're very young children. So if you're in a household where 
domestic violence is mm. commonplace. There's a lot of stress yeah. and what damage that can do to your brain development. So there's things like that yeah. can be really... The first three years are really key in terms of your brain development yeah. and, uh, and how your internal working model of the world works. So if you are a baby who cries and when you cry you are picked up and you are comforted and you are fed or you are changed, then your brain begins to understand that this is how the world works. My needs will be met. Yeah. Whereas if they're not, your brain develops another way. My needs won't be met. And that can be very, very troubling, uh, ongoing. But it's never too late to reattach, if you like, to develop these bonds. And it's something that um, there's a professor in um, UCL at the moment who's doing a project based on how we support children who are older in reattaching to their foster carers and in, in learning how to have those trusting relationships because it's learning to have relationships and functional relationships that will take you through life yeah because it's important be they you know romantic or friendship relationships those are the things that just sustain you through your adult life because it's who you turn to you know you turn to family and friends and you get to pick your friends yeah. so you know, yeah. you've got yeah. friends. that's that's who you are turning to but but being able to to meet other people's needs and meet have them meet yours is is something that you learn very early on so I said the first three years are probably the most vital, but it doesn't stop being vital all the way through and it's never too late to recover. And we've got a young woman who came through to us from a secure unit three or four years ago and she was, you know, in daily restraints and running away all the time. She clicked with a foster carer, she's off at university now doing brilliantly. Brilliant. Because, you know, the, the last sort of three years of her adolescence, she was um, she was somewhere stable where she felt safe, where she felt valued, she was able to crack on at school, which is very bright. And she's gone on, she's been successful, and she and she will be in adult life. But so it's, it's never too late, it does get harder. Though. Yeah. It does get harder, and the, the earlier you could intervene, the better, really. So we'd, in some ways, you'd, if you know a child's going to come into care eventually, yeah. you'd find out they came in under five, yeah. and then came in at 11. Yeah. Because it's harder then, it's harder. But kids who come into care at 11, go on and do fantastically well. In fact, most children who are in care, do do well. Yeah, I this is the thing. Yeah, our, our kids hate it. They hate the the statistics and yeah. the news stories because they're like, I go to school, I'm going to get my GCSEs, I'm going to get a college. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on. I'm going to be fine. Why don't they talk about me? Yeah, because these yeah. people they're talking about, they ain't me. I know. It's fun. It's 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 weird, like mm. how perceptions of kind of good news in the news. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, the foster children do well at school. Go on and get jobs, go to college. Yeah. It's not a news story, yeah. is it? You know, but there are many, many people who go on and are successful and live, you know, blameless, happy adult lives yeah. having grown up in foster care. Yeah. And many more do that than end up homeless or in prison. So the ones who end up homeless and in prison, it's no fault of their own. It's something we've done as a system. We failed them. Mm. So either we've left them in a neglectful situation too long or we haven't found the right foster family for them or the right residential home for them early enough because if you have stability so if you're in the same place yeah. for most of your childhood yeah they don't have to be family of the year because uh, family of the year mm. exists to be honest with you know there's mythical things as long as it's good enough and it's stable and it's consistent and you're cared for and you're loved you're probably going to do okay yeah you know because th th that's the, it's the, it's the consistency that's the magic of it and the hard work is keeping that consistency when it feels like you know it's a, it's a living nightmare and it's not going to end because everyone's unhappy because things have come up and that's leading to daily disturbance and trauma and shouting and fights in the household. And there will be times when that happens in quite a lot of foster places. Yeah. The kids get through it. Mm. You know, it's about sticking with people until they come out the other side. Because I think that's what I put down to the fact that me and basically all of me, me and sort of my older brother and my young, we didn't have... <clears throat> my younger brother was a lot younger, so yeah. he kind of he was out of the situation by nine months. Yeah. So, but but me and my older brothers, we were just a little bit older, and so we dealt with it a lot longer. Mm. But then when we went into care, and then when we went back, a few, it was this, to the same place because like our mum sort of said, "I'll have if these kids come back into, I'll, I'll have them back." Okay. So my brother, she fostered That's my older really brother. Good. Yeah, she fostered my older brothers first. Yeah. And then she found out that there was me. She was yeah, like, well, yeah. she needs to be with these two. Yeah. And she was already fostering like two other siblings at the same time. Yeah. So at one point she had five kids in the house, in a two bedroom house. And so we all slept in the same, yeah. same, same bedroom, like us kids. 
They, yeah, they, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't let us do that now. Yeah. But uh, but the, I, the, keeping siblings together was yeah, so important. Yeah. I mean, I, I despair with the amount of time that we're, you know, we could look after this one of these siblings. No, we can look after them all. Yeah. That's what we'll do. Because there are occasionally, and it does happen, that siblings are bad for each other because of things that happen in the home. Mm. One will be abusive to another yeah. and you have to split them up. But most of the time, no. And you also think that these are going to be each other's support when they're adults. These are the blood relatives that they are going to have. Yeah. So keep them together. Yeah. You know, we, we look after our, our record at the moment. We've got a sibling group of six up in the northwest. Huge house. Wow. But, you know, it's, um, <laughs> but it's great. It's great. So we kept six together. But we've got so quite a lot of fours, quite a lot of threes. And it's, I think I, we look after over 700 children. I think over three, about 350 of them are siblings. Yeah. And it's important. Yeah. It's important to keep siblings together. I think it's, I'm happy that me and we, even though with my younger brother, we did see him a lot, you know, we grew up around the corner from each other. Mm. We saw each other at birthdays and Christmas. And then when we yeah. got a bit older, we'd all kind of hang out and do stuff. Yeah. And then when we got older, <clears throat> and it sort of, his his needs of not knowing the situation that we were in meant that he wanted to go and find sort of birth mm. family. And that was, and we understood that. But then it was the trouble that that caused because, Absolutely. because he didn't kind of tell us that he was doing it until he'd done it. Mm. And then, um, so we had people phoning the house. And then the first time that one of my older brothers had spoke to my birth mother, she was rude to him down the phone. And I was like, I cannot. And then that was partly because my young brother was kind of, there was there was a lot of winding up in that situation. Yeah. And yeah, so. Yeah, I think it's really important that one of the things that we've learned a lot in adoption is so important to have honest information, mm. age appropriate information for children. Yeah. So that they yeah. know. So because the worst thing you want is surprises in adolescence because yeah. surprises in adolescence can especially about people's identity yeah can knock the stuff in yeah. out of them and uh, and send them you know off the rails mm. if you grow up knowing that you know yes i'm adopted yeah. and yes i'm here and that was the situation yeah. it's much easier yeah. you might find other details yeah. about it but all they're doing is filling in yeah, yeah i kind of knew that it's because he knew he was adopted but mm. also the kind of the situation was his family didn't want us to tell him what happened in the home yeah even though he wanted to know and we're older than him and we wouldn't have told him we would have been sensitive to him and yeah, said, yeah, this is him yeah. yeah and so but we were never allowed to tell him because his family were like so no you're upset yeah and so and then it all just it just and that's yeah so my advice to anybody yeah just kids they're all right you know kids yeah. are all, all right with whatever you tell them if you tell them at the that's right time it, yeah. and they'll take that on board but then is the thing about imagination. If you don't know, you'll make stuff up and you'll think that something's better than it is and everyone's lying and no yeah, one... And you just, yeah, and it's all just... And gets, you'll fill in the gaps. Yeah. yeah. And then when you are old enough and then you tell them the truth, it doesn't. they don't want to know. They're no. like, no, I don't care now. I've, yeah. It's all fine. That and doesn't you, fit with my fantasy yeah, of it. Yeah, so... And social media is terrible for that because people can present on social media to be something other than they yeah. are. And so you you might find a birth parent on social media. And, oh, that doesn't look so bad. All these stories must be nonsense. Yeah. And like, no, they weren't. They were, so do people do people do kids find? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you know Facebook, you can be found. Yeah. People share so much information, personal information on Facebook, that it's not hard to find them. Yeah. And so it is, which is why it's so important to make sure the children know in an age appropriate fashion what went on. Yeah. And, you know, quite often it will come out in our foster homes where children are playing or watching the TV, they'll say something and they'll disclose more of what they remember. And it's about, you know, not jumping up and down in shock, but just talking to them about it and talking about how it made them feel and what they mm. think about it. Mm. And, you know, pointing out to them that, well, you know, things are wrong. That shouldn't yeah. have happened to you. It wasn't your fault, but it shouldn't have happened. Because then the, that's their narrative, and they begin to think, "Yeah, that's right." Yeah, you know, yeah. I remember not liking it, and uh, and it doesn't happen here. Yeah. So, uh, but then they begin to have that understanding of their past. That if it comes all as a rush when mm. you're fourteen or fifteen years old, it's not the stuff in our yeah, yeah. And it's big. I mean, we're worried at the moment with the rise of surrogacy that there's a lot of surrogate families who aren't telling their children properly about their origins. And it will come out. Mm. Family secrets never ever last. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And they come out at the worst time. Yeah. In the middle of the vow. Yeah. That's when they come yeah. out. Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're an adolescent and you get that stuff, that can send you into a tailspin. Because it's the worst time in your life because you're a complete jumble of hormones and development anyway. If something new about yourself that you didn't know is introduced into that mix and it's not a good thing in your head, then you, they can be held to that. 
we were talking to somebody the other week and yeah. she said that she knew somebody who found out that he was adopted um, the night before he got married. That's it, you know. And I told some friends about that. As well. Like, I've told quite a few people that this yeah, week yeah. and they were like, uh, what? <laughs> no, but, but that's when, you know, there's family secrets. My, um, my dad told me that my grandfather um, killed himself on the day at my grandmother's funeral. That's when he decided to, it was okay for me to know. You know, but that's what families do. It's just really, really now. Yeah. Now is now yeah. is you know, the wake. That's when you're telling me this. It's just you know these spectacularly inappropriate yeah. things people do. But sometimes, Which, yeah. But sometimes, yeah. I can, yeah. But sometimes things reveal themselves not because people want them, but it's kind of yeah, yeah, emotion. Natural. Sometimes things just get in the way of, yeah, they do, of yeah. rational thinking and precisely. Yeah. Which is why you want to talk about these things in, you know, the calm environment when you're sitting around playing a board game, when yeah. you're watching the telly, you're having tea. Yeah. You know, that's that's when these conversations are best had because the child then feels they're in a safe place, they're doing something routine, they know they're okay and nothing can get them. And then these, you know, feelings of hurt and these bad memories can come out and they can be examined in a safe place and then they can be put away again. And children can begin to think, you know, this is this is my story. Yeah. And deal with it. It still hurts but deal with it in a way that's not going to cause them to career wildly off course. Yeah. Which is which is the worry. Yeah. And the children we fail or we don't get the right placement. They don't have that and they're still processing a lot of that stuff when they're heading into adult life. And things can crash and burn. Very is, so we've spoken a little bit about support post adoption, mm. but is there support for kids in care or young people sort of There's there's a lot of support through foster families so yeah. we try and support the family sometimes children need direct support but there's also always a lot of talk about childless and mental health services and there's not enough and so on very few children that we look after have a emerging mental health condition and if you don't have that condition then the use of seeing a child psychologist or child psychiatrist it's going to get you anywhere what you want is people who will help support the placement and the people who are important are the foster carers and the child and support them all yeah. in overcoming things. Work yeah. with them all because it's the day in, day out that are going to mm. change things. Talking yeah. to a professional for an hour a week, probably not so much. Yeah. So, uh, so it's important that that support is there, and so the foster carers get continued training. And then for young people, they have access to mentors, they have access to positive activities, they have access to things that everyone else has. Yeah. You know, they get to go off <coughs> on the school trips. They get to do yeah. the stuff that's uh, there's interesting sign that helps with their development. So there's an awful lot of support out there. It's just a question of making sure it, it gets to the right place. And there's sometimes a, a tendency to go around the foster family and say, oh, we'll bring this therapist and we'll bring that. Yeah. No, involve yeah. people in the decision. Okay, the yeah. one, they know the child better than you yeah. do. They're looking after the child. Involve them in the decision making. Talk about, oh, yes, the child would love to do this. Or no, that wouldn't really work for them. They don't like that yeah. kind of thing. You know, check these things out. Yeah. Don't just, and just because you have a service, yeah. Then that might not be appropriate for that child. It doesn't matter the one that's appropriate you don't have. You have to go and find it. So it's it's being sensitive to each individual child, but really listening to the person caring for them, whether that's the adopter or the grandparent or the foster carer. They're the ones who know best generally. Yeah. Give them the choices, yeah. give them the options, and they will generally pick the right one for their child. There's too little trust sometimes the people looking after the children. And you know, I'd say this other social worker off tendency to want to fix things or to interfere yeah stop it yeah you know these people are doing well listen to them support them yeah. they say they want something try and get it for them yeah so that's the important thing because our job is to make sure these placements last yeah make sure families last so if you, you know as i said earlier if you can have it last for 10 years for 15 years you're probably going to get a good result out yeah of that. And, and that relationship will be for life so what you've created is a support network that's there forever yeah that's and my that's, thing I, it's all i think i just think kids just need stability yeah, yeah and all the things that come with that but yeah just stability you, is the start yeah i think when you read stuff about so when it's gone wrong is when it's it's not been stable and you're like Precisely. well this is not a surprise that then yeah this is continuing their life is not going the way it should have gone precisely everything else comes from stability and without stability it's very very difficult to have any of the other things and sometimes there's quite a lot needed on top of the stability but without the stability you haven't got the the environment to put those things in anyway because, you know, children, I mean, most of the psychology and psychology won't see children are unsettled anyway. Because they say it's not going to work. If there's so much chaos going on outside, we can't fix that here. We can't fix the inside. No, yeah. no, exactly. So, uh, yeah, the stability is a huge one. And I've got to say, we're so foster carers, and you never know which is going to be the long-term one. Because there's, 
you know, talk about short-term fostering and long-term fostering. We don't know. We've got um, four siblings up in Liverpool who were placed on an emergency on a Christmas Eve about four years ago. They're still there. They'll be there, you know, it's because yeah. it worked. And everyone like, well, this works. And so when something works, and the, the most unlikely matches of adults and children just click. Yeah. You know, the alchemy, you can't, there's no science to it, to be honest with you. Sometimes you can't tell. And the most unlikely things click. And once it does click and it works, leave it alone. Don't second guess it. Don't move people. Don't say, oh, well, we had this plan for this other family. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, but that's working. Yeah. You know, so right. when you found something that works, let it go. Leave it alone. Support it. Make sure you're there for them. But let them get on with it. Because they, in a way, they've chosen each other. And if that works for, for that child, why muck about with it? Because you only get one shot at this. You know, you don't, you don't get to do this again. You don't get to do childing again childhood again mm, mm. you know you get one shot at it so if it works let it there's plenty of places where things aren't working that can use our time and attention so don't muck about with the ones that are because we do sadly <laughs> you know placement moves because uh, the more you move the less likely you are to unpack emotionally the less likely you are to invest in the relationship because you start to think how long will we be here I mean we have children who don't unpack physically don't unpack their bags for like yeah I'll end here two weeks but there are children who, even if they're there for a month or two, they're not emotionally unpacked. They're not putting mm. their trust. They're not putting themselves in the relationship because their view is, why am I going to bother to put myself out there? So now I'm going to be rejected. And that's a really tough one. And the more placement moves you do, the more likely that is to happen. Whereas if you get it right early on, that won't happen. And children will put their trust in this relationship, in this adult, and that's gold dust. You know, that's, that's good childhood. So whether you're in the care system or you're not, that's what a good childhood is. I think that is a brilliant place to end, actually. I think we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much, Andy. No problem. Thank Thank you. you. It's really interesting. Brilliant. Thanks for listening to the Loco Parentis podcast. I've been Twana May. See you soon.